The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 16 of season two of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's good to be back with you. Hope you've all had a good couple of weeks. We are going to be sticking with this every other week schedule for a little bit till I get caught up on some other projects. Um, you know, you can always go back and listen to past episodes. I'm actually transcribing a lot of season one now. We're going to be turning all those into web features for the new Drum Factor Direct website, which more info on that here in, in a couple of months, it should be ready to launch that. Um, let's talk about our intro beat. So that was supplied by Dr. Stuart Anderson. Stuart says, this is an isolated drum track from a track called Oh Mercy by my band, Paul Buchanan's Voodoo Preachers off their soon-to-be-completed album, Down Cellars Lane. The gear is a 12x24 Keller vintage mahogany kick, an 8x12, 14x14, and 16x16 stave toms made out of walnut, purple heart, and zebra wood. The main snare is a 7x13 Jara stave. Cymbals, Dream 14-inch Bliss, Minol 18-inch Byzance Extra Crash Dry cr China. That's an 18-inch Byzance Extra Dry China. Peisty 22-inch Master Swish and a Peisty 20-inch 20 Masters Dark Ride with three rivets. Thanks for that beat, Stu. If you want to get your beat featured in the show, please send it over to drumcandypodcast at gmail.com. I believe I only have a couple more that have already been submitted, so get yours in, and we'll feature you on the show. I just have a few things um, news-related this week. Again, stickshed.com. We do have gift packs available, so if you haven't checked those out, go over to stickshed.com. They are. We have a Vic Firth pack. It's a, you get a stick, pack, stick bag three pairs of Vic Firth 5As. There's like wood tips, there's an online tip, and then some other version of a 5A that they offer. And we're also throwing in a pair of our house brand 5A sticks. And you get some other stuff, moon gel, some, a drum key and all that sort of stuff. And you got one from Vic, we've got one from Promark, we've got one from uh, Zildjian, and we also have a Vic Firth marching uh, gift pack, which has Ralph Hardiman indoor sticks and outdoor sticks and the practice tips and the drum key, and it comes in one of those two two pair stick quiver things that Vic Firth offers. So again, go over to stickshed.com, check those out. They're not, um, I mean, we're getting to, down to the wire for the for the holiday season, but they're they're good gift packs. We got birthdays coming up, graduations, all that kind of stuff. Go check them out, stickshed.com. Second little bit of news here: we are going to be shutting down the warehouse at Drum Factory Direct from December 23rd through January 3rd, so we can do some inventory. So if you have any orders to make, make sure you get them in before 11 a.m. on December 23rd, or else they won't they won't be begin to be shipped out until January 3rd. So we have to go through and count literally every piece of inventory before the end of the year. That's every screw, every tension rod, every hoop, every drum head, every shell. So it's going to take us some time. Uh, we will have customer service available. It'll be on a limited schedule. But you can always email um, any questions about that. But you get your orders in before 11 a.m. on December 23rd if you want it to ship prior to the new year. All right, for our main topic this week, I want to compare the depth of a snare drum and see what you can hear 
um, if I tune the drums exactly the same and if I have exactly the same type of drum, just different depth. So what we have is a 4x14 Canopus Birch and then a 5.5x14 Bucks County Prime Series Birch. So the shells, the plywood shells, they're made of birch. As close as I can get to identical, they both have triple flange hoops. I tuned them identically and then played exactly the same stuff on each drum. So I started... I start. I start with the the fundamental. The, so the bottom heads on both drums were tuned to F sharp, the fourth octave, which is where I put every snare drum to start. And then I got the fundamental note of the drum itself. I think I started at G sharp, and then went down a half step for each time I retuned it. So in the demo here, I will play quarter notes on the piccolo, and then quarter notes on the five and a half by fourteen, and then eighth notes triplets, sixteenth notes, and then when I play a beat, you'll hear two bars on the on the piccolo first, and then two bars on the five nap by fourteen. And then I do the same thing through all the tunings. And microphone wise I have a um a Mojave FET forty seven over top of the kit as an overhead, a mono. I have an SE V7X dynamic on top of the snare. And then on the side I have an Austrian audio OD5 and that's and then I have a, a B52A Shure bass drum mic. That's it. Minimal mixing, just enough to kind of clean it up, but not really transform the sound of the drum much. Um, yeah, so what are we going to listen for? Um, we should probably just check it out first and then talk about it. Well, before we jump into the demos, the last segment of this demo is the super low, dry. Um, sample type sounds. So that's a little bit different. When I go from high to, to medium low, the snare wires are tightened just below the point where they start to choke. And then no dampening, wide open. For the last little bit, I threw a dampening ring on, a one inch ring, and also two gels. And I tightened the wires a good bit to get that compressed kind of response. So you're going to hear that on the piccolo and then on the 5.5x14 to compare. So let's check it out. Here we go.
hopefully you can hear the differences there. I, I originally was going to also throw in a third drum, a six snap by 14. I have this Tomba Superstar here. But I found that the difference between the five and a half and the six and a half wasn't really as as significant as the difference between the four and the five and a half. So uh, at least what was captured, the, the feeling of the drum was a little bit different. But I didn't feel there was a need to throw the deeper drum into this because you kind of, the point was made, I think, going by the shallow piccolo to the five and a half by 14. Um, I could certainly feel a major difference in the room. Um, and there's an anomaly I'll talk about as well. But the biggest thing was the, the piccolo just, this, it was very snary, no matter what. A lot of response. It wasn't necessarily faster response or more sensitive. It was just, I heard the snares a lot more. And then listening back to the recording, I noticed that there's just less there's just less sound with the piccolo. There's less drum. There's less sound. You're you're not getting as much of the lower low end. Um, you're not getting as much fatness. You know the sustain was still decent. The head still ring out and sing. Uh, but that's what I noticed immediately was it was like the there was less sound. It was kind of focused in the higher um, the higher register where the 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 Bucks County five and a half just felt beefier and fatter and thicker in the room. Now, interestingly, I tuned these drums exactly the same. The fundamental note to the, at the start was G sharp, but the five and a half by 14 actually had a perceived pitch to be a half step higher. Don't know why or how. So in those demos, I actually had to cut out the first of the five and a half by 14 because it was a half step higher than the piccolo starting point. It probably has something to do with the bottom head maybe playing a little bit more of a role in the perceived pitch. I don't know, but it was pretty weird. And then, as you heard, the lower we got, the more they the more they kind of spread apart. But it was really interesting. Like the 5.5 by 14 gave me a higher note, perceived note, than the piccolo did, even though they were tuned exactly to the same frequency. Um, just an interesting food for thought. I enjoyed playing the 55 by 14 much more, but the piccolo does something, I mean, it's great for recording, and the low sound is fantastic. There's none of that muddy stuff that you would have to EQ out. So it's all stuff to consider, um, hopefully just give you some idea of, of what depth of a snare drum with a birch wood shell. It'd probably be different with some other species, but next week I'm going to do deeper, deeper depth. I'm going to do maple shells, 6x14 and an 8x14. And we'll see if there's a difference there. And then maybe we'll go into metal shells. But that's it for now. Let's head over to our main featured artist. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full-line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. 
This week, I'm interviewing the great rock drummer Tucker Rule. Tucker has, was a founding member of the legendary post-hardcore band Thursday, which was formed back in 1997, and they are just finishing up a tour, the 21st anniversary tour for their classic record, Full Collapse. And he just put out a new record with his new band, L.S. Dunes. So we talk a bit about that. We talk about the gear he's using for touring. Um, yeah, we dig into it all. So let's get to it with Tucker Rule. Is this the last week of, of the tour with Thursday? Yes, uh, we end on the 17th. So um, we're, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, yeah, how's it been? It's been great, man. It's been a lot of fun. The shows have been awesome. Uh, turnouts have been cool. So yeah, and, and you know, I get to watch Cursive every night. So that's that's a plus. <laughs> right, right. So this is, you guys are celebrating the 21st year of... Uh, yes. Which record is it? Full Collapse. All right, Full Collapse. So how are these songs feeling 21 years on? Uh, they're just as fun as I remember them, man. And, it, and it, it's, 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 it's awesome to, like, remember. Like, I remember exactly where I was when I wrote all these songs, when I recorded them. You know what I mean? So it's 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 just fun to like get a little flashback every night, you know, of, of where I was at the time and then being like, holy shit, I'm here right now. This is crazy. You know what I mean? And and the songs are still as fun to play as, as they ever were. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, there's not a lot I would have changed about them. You know what I mean? Like I do some fills different every night, but not really. You know what I mean? I try to keep true to the record and, you know, it's, it's still, you know, I feel like, um, yeah, I just feel grateful to be able to still do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> people still still want to hear these songs. So, Did you have to kind of refresh yourself or are they all just permanent memory? I think they're mostly permanent memory. You know what I mean? Of course, like it, it takes a, you know, a pass through each of the songs just to remember the muscle memory. You know what I mean? Because I, for me, once I, once I do it once, I'm like, okay, I remember how this feels. You know what I mean? It's not mm. about like, I, I always say this: um, that when you're on tour and you're and you're and you're playing your songs, you get really good at your songs, but you get really bad at playing drums. I've heard that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I I, I enjoy my time at home practicing. You know what I mean? And then that's what gets me to go over the song once, and it's like, okay, I got it. But then it's when I'm away on tour and I'm playing these songs that I come home and I'm like, man, I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is there anything that? that you feel builds Bob being on the tour that, that is longstanding. Like for me, I felt just that intensity kind of helped make everything else a little bit more sharp when I got back home. Is there anything about touring for you that improves when you get back home doing studio work or whatever it is that you're doing? Oh, definitely, man. Like I'll, 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 I'll video myself every night, you know, or whenever I can. And I'll, I'll watch the videos back at night um, before I go to bed. And, you know, I'll kind of like critique myself and be like, all right, well, you're rushing this. Like, remember when you're at home, you know, like don't rush this stuff or whatever, because a lot of the, the Thursday stuff, especially full collapse is free time live because the songs were, were written and designed to not have like, you know, there's a lot of you know, time signature changes, for example, or, or just field changes within the song. So, you know, having a tempo map just wasn't an option back, back then, you know, it was, we just didn't want to go there. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to like, when I'm at home, I try to do everything to the metronome. You know what I mean? If I'm like doing remote recording for someone or whatever, even for, uh, you know, my new band LS students, we, we, you know, we're sending files back and forth and they have to be to a, a, a metronome. So, um, it's fun to, to do this completely free time. So I do get to scratch that itch of, of, of feel, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
do you start the songs with like a metronome reference or how do you how do you get the tempos no i just kind of go in just kind of wherever the four count wherever the four on the four count lands is where the song is <laughs> you know what i mean which guys, is it, it's stressful <laughs> does it fluctuate after the gig you're like wow that was really fast or that felt slow does that ever come up yeah yeah i mean not not so much lately uh but in the past it's definitely like you know when you get somebody playing guitar turning around and looking at you you know it's like oh shit i must have started this one real fast so i you know i I try to i try to take a deep breath before uh before each song and and just remember like okay wherever you think it is cut that by probably like 10 bpm yeah yeah because it's it's crazy what nerves do and it's crazy how like you can hear a song on the radio and then you know five minutes later you could start humming that song and you could check the you know you think you know you're you're humming it at that tempo. You know what I mean? You think you're like, oh, that's I just heard the song. This is the tempo, and you're like literally 10 BPM faster. Yeah, okay. So that's your tendency. Mine is always to start too slow. I don't know why. Maybe to overcompensate. <laughs> I don't know. See, sure. I love that. Like I'll, I'll watch a band like Deftones. I'll watch Abe play, and like that's a dude that like man, th- their songs just work better slower. It's just mm. so great hearing that band relaxed and with so much feel. You know, I feel like for a band like Thursday, we 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 thrive on the on the faster the energy. You know what I mean? So it's 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 I try to have both. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do you guys get together to rehearse before tour, or is at this point show up and play? Uh, it's pretty much show up and play. We'll we we'll, we you know if it's a if we have like a year off or something, we'll get we'll get together for like three or four days, or you know as much as we can. Maybe it's usually been about two days. Um, we'll run the set a few times and just dust the cobwebs off and kind of use sound checks for the first couple shows to to work on any trouble spots. But for the most part, it's like everybody knows to show up with their best foot forward. And you know, I, I mean, I, I, when I'm at home, I'm playing all the time. You know what I mean? And and I I almost expect my band members to do the same. Not necessarily thursday songs but you know you know if you play an instrument you should be at home practicing you know mm-hmm. i just think that that's healthy <laughs> yeah yeah do you have a space in your house or do you have a, a rental space somewhere else i do i'm lucky i have a i moved into my house in 2020 and i moved out of new york city and one of my stipulations to my wife was if you're going to move me out of the city we need to find a house with a detached garage to where i can build a studio in it and um that's what we did and i, I it's my my garage is like probably 20 yards from my house and uh, mm. i built a room within a room in one of the bays i have a two-bay garage so one of the bays is the rip room and it's a room within a room and it's soundproofed and you know i can pretty much play in there whenever i want i, I try I, I do have neighbors so i try to keep it like after 9 a.m and mm-hmm. shut it down at like 10 10 30 you know i try to that's still not, pretty good <laughs> those are my those are my hours you know i don't want to i don't want to ruin a good thing you know what i mean so yeah. i try to keep it business hours if you will so what's a typical day for you on the road you guys don't have many off days on this run um typical day is is you know i'm up early because I, I have a i have a toddler so I, I i generally am used to being up at 7 a.m so I, I try to i try to sleep in until about eight and then i uh shuffle about the front lounge until the bus is either stopped or we're parked up somewhere where you know we can go get coffee um you know do coffee and hang out basically wait to sound check i'm i use i usually go to the gym and work out like i'm I'm a member of planet fitness and i I, you know you can go to any single one across the country if you have a membership but on this tour winter i've just been been a hermit 
not really mm-hmm. leaving the bus. So I'll, you know, just wait for sound check and, you know, do that whole thing and then pretty much hurry up and wait for the gig. All <laughs> right. Lost downtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you I'm, do I'm with the downtime? In, oh man, I'm I'm either, you know, walking around or, you know, uh, again, trying to figure out how to work out or, you know, I don't know, just hanging with, with, with my peoples, you know, I really don't, I'm, I'm not in a rhythm on this tour because I, 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 we did a Thursday tour, then I did a Dunes tour and then I went straight into a Thursday tour. So I'm, I'm all like, it's, I feel like there's new people everywhere. So it's, I'm very stimulated, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? With, with my, with my, my band. So, um, yeah, I've been kind of slacking on, on, you know, healthy stuff. <laughs> Do you have a, like a regular pre-show routine to get you in the mode? Yeah. I usually, you know, shut down all human contact about an hour before the show where I just kind of get dressed into my, my, my battle uniform. And I, you know, grab a pair of sticks and I hit on anything that is, you know, n- not bouncy. Mm. And, uh, you know, I kind of just, get in the zone a little bit you know I, I try to watch cursive a little bit too so i can like get a feel for the room and i also like you know i, I like to be inspired by by music you know what i mean i want to i want to I, lo- I love that band and they're playing domestica from front to back so it's kind of awesome what's one of my favorite records so i get to get to watch that it, you know just get get like i said get inspired and then you know not pull any muscles when i get up there and <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have to uh, check yourself the first couple songs to keep the adrenaline in, in control? I used to. I used to. But now that I'm a little bit older, I kind of have a grip on, on you know, remembering that, like, you don't want to blow yourself out. You know what I mean? And you want to I, I like to start the set and finish the set with the same energy, you know, with the mm-hmm. same intensity. So, you know, um, <clears throat> I definitely, you know, in my younger years would go so hard in the first like three songs and then be like pretty spent mm-hmm. by like mid set. Um, but now I find it's like you play better when you're, when you're you just, you keep a little bit back just a little bit, you know, you're still going 110%, but you know, keep remember like technique and form and try to hit the center of the drum, you know, <laughs> you know, all those little things kind of help me stay focused on, on, on stamina, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually, tried to play well <laughs> what about after the show do you have a cool down no uh after the show i immediately take my show clothes off and put my normal clothes on and i hang the show clothes up and bring them out to the bus and stick them in the bus shower where they can dry and then i'm just i'm in chill mode i'm usually like eating peanut butter pretzels by you know about 15 minutes post, post set. <laughs> rock star life <laughs> yeah <laughs> What is your kit on this run? So I have um, a mahogany uh, Q drum co kit with a orange sparkle wrap. And I've had this kit for probably about 10 years now. And it was my kit that I used. I used to, I, so back in like 2012, 2013, I played in a boy band called the wanted. And I had, they, I had this kit made for that band and uh, it was sent to the UK and we used it for a couple of years. And then they, they broke up and then the kit lived in the UK for a few years and I never used it until one day um, our, the production manager that was, that was on that, it was on Sean Mendez now. And he was like, yo, I'm, we're shipping stuff to New Jersey. Do you want that kit? And I'm like, absolutely. So I like 
drove and picked up the kit and now it's my my main touring kit like i just love the idea of like a, a charlie watts using the same kit for his entire career mm-hmm. and like that's how i feel about this this orange sparkle kit like i want to use it forever like it's my road kit and i love it you know it's always sounds great it's durable you know because i have a, a q drum coat copper kit and that if that's my studio recording kit it's on every record i've done in the past i don't know 10 years or so eight years and um but it's 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 brittle you know what i mean it's if it's not in the proper cases in the trailer it could get dented and it has gotten dented mm-hmm. so you know i want my my road warrior kit which is this orange sparkle mahogany kit because it's a wrap so when it gets dinged you can't really tell it looks right. good sounds good and it feels good so and it's it's like it's home is that center hole in your bass drum also a charlie watts homage no no that's 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 a that's a q drum co uh thing that that that's how they do their 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 kick drum heads you know that's how they send the send them on the new kits and i just i just got used to that being where it go you know where it is when i when i have the the hole down in the bottom Mm -hmm. some for some reason i don't know if it's mental or whatever but it feels different you Mm -hmm. know i feel like kicking it and air going straight out the hole is much better than it you know kind of going like that Uh uh-huh I'm I'm insane. It's total mental. (laughs) It might not be. I mean, I'm. I'll probably challenge you on the nerdy insane. (laughs) (laughs) How do you tune it? Is it is it as basically low as it can go? Yes. Yeah. Because I I do use a a a fourteen by twenty six kick. Um. So it's shallow. So I do I do try to to take the the batter head down a bunch, and I use a a power stroke three black dot Hmm. with a with a the flam slam pad on it. Um, and I use a low boy beater, wood beater. So it's, it's, I get a lot of that click, but it also with it, with it low, I feel like I get a lot of the, you know, uh, soggy low end, if you will. And I mm. finger, finger tight, finger tight in the, the front head. Okay. What about dampening? No, uh, I use a, a blanket on the inside that, uh, is butted up against the batter side and barely touching the front side. Okay. Is that consistent with the recording kit too? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now, what and about I found toms? For the toms, um, I'm using uh, Control Sound Black Dot Remo, um, and I put no dampening on them. If I can get away with no dampening, I prefer no dampening on all mm. the drums. Okay. What is your snare, snare of choice? Snare of choice right now. Uh, right now, I have a um, uh, Control Sound X, Remo Control Sound X, and I love it. It's super durable, and I can go like multiple shows with it um but i feel like with snares in a pinch i'm always putting some kind of stuff on it like whether it's gaff tape or or um you know a moon gel um our our front of house guy mark is a absolute wizard and he likes the snare tuned low like super Mm. low so i feel to get a lot of sensitivity i i I like to dampen it a bunch to get it to get it to sound like not honky at that low Mm. tuning you know when you can get that I don't like yeah. that. What is the drum? Uh, right now for for the uh, the touring drum is a 7x14 aluminum cast uh, Q, Q drum snare. That's beefy. That's it's awesome. Ball. Yeah, it's an awesome drum and it, it's it's a workhorse. You know what I mean? It always sounds good. It's it's it. Like I said, the front of house person loves this tuning, low tuning, and it, it works great for that. Mm-hmm. So, and I, my backup is a, is a gentleman brass, but that's more of a, a, a studio snare for me. Mm, okay. 
Well, run down your symbol setup while we're in the, the kit world. So for Thursday, I have 15-inch um, Avidus Zildjian hats. I have a 22 Avidus uh, ride with rivets as my left left crash. 24 uh, K light ride, and then a 22 K light ride. I love oh, big nice. symbols. Yeah, nice. Is that same for the studio? For the studio, I try to mix and match, but um, I use a lot of Constantinobles in the studio, um, and I like super thin symbols in the studio because I, I i like them to be quick mm -hmm. you know i don't want to overpower the mix with the with that all that high end sweet what's in store for thursday in 2023 so uh right now not a whole lot i mean we have a few few things we're doing we got a few festival offers and such um you know we're we're really just having fun playing right now so there's there's no real plans on on recording or anything like that we're just kind of enjoying um, you know, people wanting to still see the band. So, um, and all of us have like multiple projects too. So we're, mm -hmm. we're kind of, we're, we have this collective, you know, where we're all kind of like working together on a bunch of different things. So, so do you see it just continuing in perpetuity for you guys whenever you feel like playing, just get together and do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I, you know, we like to, you know, if we get an offer, we'll build something around it. You know what I mean? If we mm -hmm. get like a cool festival, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be, Oh, we'll do like two weeks around that. You know, it'll be a good, good little run or something like that. So we, you know, like I said, we're just, we just really love playing live. The, the reason why we started this band was to play in our singer's basement back in the nineties. The so um, we just really love playing, playing live. And we really think that like a record is a flyer for a show in a way. Mm -hmm. Let's shift into the new project, uh, LS Dunes. First of all, what does the name mean? Uh, it it's, it's, doesn't have really any meaning at all. We, we just kind of like the, the you know, when, you, when you're starting a band and all of the really great names are taken. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like we can name our band Metallica, you know what I mean? Or fucking Iron Maiden, you know, that's taken. <laughs> So you got, you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, you got all those. But you're like flipping through the, the dictionary or whatever, and it's like, uh, but but we came up with Dunes as like, okay, this has a cool visual, a cool image. You know, it's like, you know, I feel like this record's very desert inspired. You know, it makes me think of the desert when I when I listen to it and when I play the song. So Dunes was like a good a good name, and then Anthony, our singer, was like, well, what if we did something where it was like LSD, like LS Dunes, uh. and like. And then it, we kind of stuck with like, oh, yeah, L.S. Dunes, that's cool. It kind of sounds like an author, like T.S. Yeah. Eliot or, or, you know. So we, we kind of, we were, we were into it just being like, oh, this is like a book, like a mm -hmm. novel, like an author. And uh, so L.S. Dunes was stuck. How did it come about? The way Apple Music presents it, it's as if you were the kind of the ringleader of the project. I suppose I was. Yeah, I mean, I... I like I said, I bought my house in 2020, and when I realized that the pandemic was going to go on longer than, you know, we thought, uh, I I was like, man, I got to get on this. I need to buy some recording equipment. I need to learn how to record because if I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I had an infant at the time, so I couldn't really go anywhere anyway. But I was like, I need to make money. So maybe if I if I learn how to record, if I watch enough YouTube videos, buy enough gear, I can I can do remote recording you know and i that's mm -hmm. that's what i did and i i taught myself how to record drums and <clears throat> and then i got a few offers to do records i did like a the sparta record i did a jim ward solo record and um 
I just, I was hungry to write and I wanted to write with other people. And, you know, my, my, my friend, Frank, uh, I did Frank Iero and the future violence with him. So I knew that we spoke the same musical language and I knew that we, you know, we could write some songs together, whether that we play them out or we just have them as, as a, a, you know, an exercise, a brain exercise. And, you know, and then I always wanted to, to play with Travis from Coheed. He's a good friend of mine. We took uh, Coheed out on their first tour back in, you know, whatever fucking decade it was. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, Tim, the bass player Thursday, he's like literally one of the best musicians I've ever played with and, and makes my job as a drummer super easy because he can hide all my flaws with his superior bass lines and bass skills. He's like truly phenomenal. Um, so, you know, we just kind of started writing songs and, and, and writing things and sending things back and forth. And we had, we had, you know, the idea of asking Anthony to be in our band, who's the singer, Anthony Green. And um, so we, we sent him a couple songs and I told him that they were, these are just friends of mine. I was like, Hey, a couple of buds and I wrote some songs. Would you, you know, you want to just try to sing over them? And he was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. And he sent back the the first song that was written, uh, uh, you know, just instruments. He's that's the song he chose to sing over. We sent him like five songs. He chose the first one that we ever wrote mm. to sing over. So it was like, kind of like, kismet in a way and 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 i was like well this is awesome i was like would you like to do this because i think we have a band here and he's like yeah sure he's like and i was like well you, you know you know all the people in the band and so he's like oh my god he's like i'm so psyched this is amazing you know so i think we were all going through a rough time i, th- I think everybody in the world is going through a rough time right right and um this was truly one of the one of the things that i think saved us all you know all, all in this band at least was was having this project and and being able to to you know kind of span this awful time with a truly creative um collaborative experience did you have any intention of making it a physical band where you'd go on the road i don't i don't think so i don't think so at first because we this was at a time where, where our industry was, people were telling us it was dead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not coming back. You know, you should probably get a job at Amazon or something like that. You know, start a new career because mm-hmm. it's just that easy. You know what I mean? When you're right. been a musician pretty much your whole adult life, Oh, just switch gears. <laughs> yeah, you've given right. up, you've given up everything for music. So just, you know, go get, go get another job. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but so we, we, we just kind of started it to, to write some songs, you know what I mean? To like literally scratch the itch of, of, like trying to play music with other people, even if it wasn't in the same room. Uh, so we had no intention on, on, on making a record even, you know, mm-hmm. just thought maybe we'd write a batch of songs or, you know, just have fun doing it. And it literally became sort of an addiction. And then as, as Anthony would sing over more things, it, it became apparent that we had something um, special, you know, and I know everybody says that about, about, their projects and their bands and they all are special and unique, but this one I felt truly um, 100% uh, connected to myself and to my bandmates um, and, and music. So who decided let's go play a show? Was it a booking agent? Was it a manager? Was it one of you? I think it, 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 it you know, as things started to open back up and, and, and things started getting announced and, and, the fact that, you know, MCR was doing these shows and, you know, all of us were kind of off, like Anthony and I were going to be in Chicago uh, doing Riot Fest anyway, you know, because Thursday had a, an after show and, and Anthony had a solo show and 
Anthony was literally riding on the bus with Thursday and Frank was already going to be out there headlining Riot Fest. Um, and Tim and Travis were off. So we were just like, all right, let's, let's just do that as a first show. It's close enough to the record. We can kind of announce the band and who's in the band. And uh, we put a song out prior to that show called Permanent Rebellion and people liked it. So, you know, it was kind of like, all right, this is a rollout for the record. This is mm. part of the rollout. So what's in store for this project? More touring? More touring. We have a tour at the end of January into February doing UK and Europe. Um, we're writing a bunch. You know, our, our, our strong point is not um, being in a room together um, because we're all pretty busy, but our, 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 our strong point is, is writing songs and, and writing music and, and being productive um, without having to be together. So mm. <clears throat> we're, we're currently writing. I mean, there was stuff passed around yesterday. You know what I mean? So um you know there's going to be new music there's going to be some touring um you know this is a full-time gig for all of us mm -hmm. what is your your songwriting process and part so, writing i guess songwriting and part writing two two questions in one so it's weird a lot of these songs started baseline first so mm. they'd send a baseline out and i would put drums over it and then you know guitars would kind of go on top of it some of the songs came guitar first and I would put drums over that, you know, but there were a few that I would write a beat, you know, cause I, like I said, I play every day when I'm at home and I try to come up with stuff. So I'll put a beat to a tempo, something that I I've been working on. And if it inspires somebody to write something over it, cool. So some of the songs started that way, but um, the unique thing about writing remotely like this and, and, and is, is trying to keep the rest of the band members engaged. I feel each of us trying to keep ourselves engaged in, in the writing process. So if I would get a guitar part, I would as fast as I possibly could come up with the most intelligent drum part. I could simple, intelligent, intuitive, you know, um, easy to write over and send it to the next person. So the speed at which we had to work to stay engaged, I think captured that like youthful energy um, mm. that we got back in the day when we were writing our first records um you know like full collapse or waiting or you know whatever you know the first coheed record first circuit record like all of that energy that you had i think that's we captured that in this writing process as far as like trying to just keep the ball rolling because we could not physically be in the same room together mm -hmm. now do your do you commit to your parts in that early go around or does it go through like a revision process before you finish it up i mean I commit to like the theme I, I, I've, I've always, since I started playing drums, I, I found that there's a theme in the drums and the theme is usually built around some sort of drum fill. You know what I mean? Some sort of part that repeats mm -hmm. or, you know, a, a signal, you know, if you will, like a, like a, this, this fill is the signal to the next part. So a lot of the themes drum wise for me stayed the same. Um, and you know, a lot of the beats actually stayed the same as well, but you know, there was definitely a, lot, a bunch of revision after, after we did like a, uh, a day of pre-production. Um, we, we worked with Will Yip, uh, producer, um, and he's a phenomenal musician, a phenomenal drummer, um, and a fantastic producer. So he, um, had a lot of ideas of, of steering this, you know, the songs different ways for vocals, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And he, he and Anthony got together and would do vocals. Um, so, a lot of the stuff that like, oh, I thought this was going to be the verse would become the chorus, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Which is crazy. Cool. So things kind of got flipped on their ear a little bit, but mostly everything stayed remotely the same. But um, when we went into, went into record with Will, um, I went in and did drums by myself 
Frank came with me, but he had a broken arm at the time, so he couldn't really play. Um, you know, I just this this band, we we really got rid of a lot of the ego. You know what I mean? Like this, I, I was down to do whatever people told me to do. Mm. You know, whatever worked better for the song. You know, like you know, uh, without sounding like a jerk, I already know that I can play. You know what I mean? I I know that I'm I'm confident in my playing. Do I think I'm the best drummer? No, absolutely not. You know, I don't even think I'm I'm a good drummer. But I, I know that I, I can get the job done. So when you strip that away, you know, and, and say, like, listen, you know, whatever works for the song, I think it just helps the process go that much faster. Mm-hmm. You think that's something that came with just age and experience or more because you've been recording so much on your own and, and really refining what you do? I don't know. I, a lot of people say it, it comes with age, you know, and the whole you, you get to learn the less is more thing. And, and I get that. And I like that. But, you know, I also like a little left of center and I like fun things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I try to I try to keep that, that less is more in the back of my mind. But I also want to write things that are challenging. I want to write things that are challenging to play live. I want to mm-hmm. make I want to write fills that people air drum on the steering wheel of their car. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what it's all about. Like, I know all my favorite songs, man. It you can't not air guitar or air drum or like sing in the shower, you know. So that, that's that's kind of what I want. I want to give people the experience that I got from my favorite stuff. Right on. Well, we are at the we got the ten minute countdown here, so I'm gonna shoot um, a word association at you if you're cool with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. All right, I'm just gonna say a word. It, could, it might be a person, it might be a band, it might be whatever a concept. And first thing comes to mind. Bonham. Oh, orange. Orange. <laughs> uh, Deftones. Abe. Quicksand. Oh, Walter's the best. Alan Cage, Ripper. Slip. Manic Compression, two of the best records of all time. My favorite band in the world is Quicksand. Grohl. That's too many words. Grohl? <laughs> Grohl. God. Idol. Uh, Q Drums. Uh, Jeremy Berman, salt of the earth, one of the best human beings on the actual planet. And, uh, you know, pushing for him to get better. Drum samples. I've done them. Touring. Tired. (laughs) That's probably a bad time to to bring that one. (laughs) Look at this. Look at this room I'm in. (laughs) This is, this is it. This is it. This is me right now. That's the life. Uh, (laughs) Emo. Ugh. Just ugh. <laughs> Solos. Hard. <laughs> All right. Instagram. Addictive. And necessary. Really? Sucks. Sucks. <laughs> you got to do it. And I hate it. I hate it. But, you know, you got to learn to love it. Whatever. Thursday. Um legacy all right this one might require more than a first one word response your first snare drum the first one i willingly purchased was a dw craviato nice good choice still have it still have it still have it does it still get use uh it it it's got a new head on it as we speak i got a new i had to i broke one of the lugs off so i had to get a new gold lug to match the old gold lug which is a pain in the ass to find yeah 
So uh, it doesn't really get used much, but a lot of the uh, writing of Full Collapse was done on that snare drum. Not the recording, the writing. Nice. Last word, Jersey. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, that's it, man. Thank you for coming on. Is there anywhere we should point people to follow what's going on? Any websites in particular? I mean, just Instagram. Um, and if you can follow the, the Q drums, Instagram and, and help out Jeremy, that's, that's, that's our main focus right now. So oh, thanks Tucker. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, I appreciate the time. All right. Now it's time for a lesson. We're going to talk about the drag paradiddle. For our 10th and final lesson in this drum rudiment series, we are going to combine two rudiments, the drag paradiddle and the drag paradiddle number two, the drag paradiddle number one, is an accented note, so start with the right, accent right, and then drag, which is two low notes, and then a paradiddle. And then you do the opposite with the other hand, an accent with the left, drag with the right, and then a paradiddle. It's in six, eight, so one, two, three, four, five, six, one, three, four, five, six, one. That's how you count it. All right, so you can do it in different tempos. Two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one. Now, it's written with that accent on the first tap. You can also, I mean, I often accent the second note, which would be the, the first note of the paradiddle. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, Six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one. So without that accent, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, with the accent, one, two, three, four, five, six, one. All right, that's the drag pedal number one. Drag pedal paradiddle number two just adds an extra drag in between the accent and then the drag paradiddle. So you do an accent. A drag and then a pair the drag paradiddle an accent with the opposite hand a drag and then a paradiddle so it's a right 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 paradiddle left left a left paradiddle this one is in two four or four four one and two and three and four and one and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and again you can mess with the accents so and you can add an extra accent on that middle drag so one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one or add another accent on the beginning of the paradiddle one and two and three and four and one and two three and four and one accent the just the second and the just the first and the third note one and two and three four and one and two and three and four and one and a different variation you can you can go crazy by messing with accenting all the stickings in the paradiddle whatever you want to do my point is you know, learn it as it's traditionally written by the PAS standards, which has the accent on the first note. Then just start experimenting and then ultimately just improvising.
and then do the same thing with the drag paradiddle number one. Now here's an exercise to combine them all together. Again, I'm often trying to figure out how to make syncopated patterns out of these rudiments. And since the drag paradiddle number one is in six eight, it's gonna give you a three over four feel if you loop it in four four. One and two and three and four and one and two and three. It takes all the way to beat three of the second bar before it lands back on the downbeat. One, two and three and four and one and two and three so you can very easily throw in the drag paradiddle number two there to cycle it so one and two and three and four one and two and three and four and one. then it switches to the other hand one and two and three and four and one hopefully you're following so it is a cycle of drag paradiddle number one until you get to beat three in the second bar, and then you play one of the drag paradiddle number two. One, two, two, and three, four, and one, and two, and three, and four, and then starts with the other, and four, one, two, three, four, one. Try that a little quicker. One, and two, and three, and four, and one, and two, and four, and one, and two, and three, and four, and one, and two, and three, All right, now if you keep that drag paradiddle number one going even further, you could do three whole bars of that, just keep looping it for three measures, and then when you get to the fourth bar, play two of the drag paradiddle number two. So you do one and two and three, and the fourth bar will be two of those. Let's try it. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. Now when I count it, I got a little tongue tied, but I'm trying to say the beginning of the measure. So it's one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, and then four, two, three, four. That way I can keep track of the phrase. One, two, three, and one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, Repeat it. One, two, three, four. Two, two, three, four. Three, two, three, four. Four, two, three, four. One. Hopefully that makes sense. Now let's try with the extra accents. So you do one, two. That'll be your. That'll be your uh, drag paradigm number one. And then when you get to the fourth bar, one, two, three, three four. Let's try it. One, two, three, four. Two, three, four, two, three, three, four, three, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four, one. It's faster. One and two and three and four. One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four. Three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. All right, 
that is it for the written out exercise. And then as always, I urge you to improvise your own phrases using the drag paradigm number one, drag paradigm number two with the different accent options. The most challenging part will be keeping track of where you are in a four, four time. So one and two and three and four and two, three, four, one, 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 two, three, four, one. All right, that's it for this series. Hope you enjoyed these lessons. I'm sure we'll come back and revisit some other rudimental ideas in the future, but for now, go back and work through all 10 of these lessons. We would love to see some of your ideas using some of these as a building block. Um, oh, by the way, if you need a cool practice pad, we still have a few of these left. These were some prototype pads we had made with this really soft side here with the maroon fabric on top and then a traditional harder rubber on the back side. I use the red side often feels to me like a loose, like a medium low tune snare drum or a Tom. So it gives you some rebound, but you, you kind of have to work a little bit more than if you're playing on the harder rubber side. Go to drumfactorydirect.com, pick one of these up before we run out of stock. Um, and I believe we still have a deal where you get a pair of sticks free with the pad. That's it for now. Have a good one. Happy practicing. See you soon. It's time to head over to Hawthorne Drum Shop. We are taking a look at a vintage Ludwig Mod Orange kit. Some things to look at if you're shopping for one of these and comparing it to the new version of that. So let's get over to Hawthorne. Okay, what are we looking at? This is a, obviously a Ludwig kit. It is, I'm gonna make a guess, mid 70s, early 70s? Um, 60s. That's all I know. This is a 60s? Yeah, I got the Keystone on there. Oh, the Keystone is a telltale. Mm -hmm. When did that change, 68? 69, I think. Okay. There's some drums that came out that are like trans badge drums. Not like the blue one, but they'll have like a blue olive and keystone together. Yeah, I had that so, on my 68 Black yeah. Diamond. Yeah. Anyway, so this is Mod Orange. Mod Orange. So we're all about Mod Orange today. See, the giveaway on this, Mike, is that it's orange. It's orange. <laughs> yeah, this is a Mod Orange kit, 12, 22, 16. More than likely, this was uh, a Hollywood. So it's got the diamond plate. Would have a tom tree and a thirteen on there. Mm. But what do, what, do think, what do you think happens to the thirteen? Do you play two up? Never. That's what happens. Right? <laughs> it just someone sold it. Yeah, I mean they're old. They, you know these have probably been passed along. The guys I got them from City's had them since the nineties. So I don't know, but I thought it'd be cool to feature these. I don't think we've done we've done a sight kit. I don't think we've done a mod kit, but. Uh, one of the more popu popular finishes now, mm. rare. Um, mostly because uh, they just didn't sell a lot of them when they were made. Which is pretty weird. The, the Psych Red sold more than this. It seems weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. And the ones that did survive, I think, were painted black. All right, you're telling or me that. Or were rewrapped or... So whenever you get a late 60s black kit, are you like, maybe there's orange under there? Well, <laughs> we both mutually know somebody who has a mod kit that was painted blue. Blue? Yeah. 
But uh, you think about what happened in the 80s, like the big drums, the black drums, and you got this like weirdo-looking orange kit. What would people do? Mm. So I think that's kind of why they're hard to find now is they didn't sell a lot of them, and then the ones that made it through were kind of destroyed. Mm -hmm. So now they did try to uh, make different variations of these over the years. This is one a kit we have on consignment. I think it's a 2006. So that's probably the first reissue of it, the recent reissues. Maybe. I don't know, but, like, it doesn't look a thing like it. No, it's not orange at all. It looks yeah. more uh, pink and purple. And I know you can't see, but really, like, the difference between, and what I think makes the old Psych and Mod Finishes special is that they have, like, depth to their wrap. This is just, like, somebody, like, took a picture and printed on the wrap. There's actually depth in these um, to the point where, like, you probably can't see that, but a new psych or a new mod kit would have been orange, some yellow maybe, and like dark purple. Kind of oh, turns to lavender. So you can kind of see more on the back there. Hey, but the purple fades to a white. So that's closer to original. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you turn the drum, you can really kind of see how it fades like that. I kind of like the white. It's almost like translucent in a way. But if you look closely on that, you can kind of see checking. So once it really starts to degrade or wear, you'll, you can kind of get some splitting and some checking in the wrap, and mm. you know, which is another reason why stuff doesn't last. People have outside gigs. <clears throat> you put a drum in the center, it's in a window. One side will fade out. It happens a lot with green. So My uh, drum set teacher in high school kept a uh, <clears throat> uh, Black Oyster kit in his car. Oh, wonderful. All the time, in a station wagon. He just kept it in his car? <laughs> All the time, in his driveway. No cases. Was he married? Yeah, he was an old Navy, For how long? Old Navy guy. Oh, jeez. He just didn't want to bother unloading his drums or putting them in cases. or <laughs> Probably browns. <laughs> and he's the same guy that had the brown Camco kit that I used to take lessons oh, on. Oh, no. But yeah, I, ever, I always, whenever I see a, a finish that's faded, I'm like, I remember that Black Oyster Pearl kit. That yeah, was... I mean, fade's kind of common on like older drums. Um, but it's really interesting to see the variations. This also has kind of an interesting, it's right, maybe not that interesting, but it was pretty common to have gall wing spurs. So the gall wings are the ones that fold out. These have club date style, style spurs. Hmm. Telescope. Those are better right what do you like i like the gall wings do you yeah but those are kind of like a, a special order you could order them i've seen them where you have one set of these you have two sets of the club date style spurs or the disappearing one but look how clean the bottom of the bass drum is there we go yeah. so that's the closest <clears throat> to the original yeah so these drums were definitely not kept in cases no i mean you know the guy i got these in the 90s you know they're great shape and they're not in bad shape but like you spin the drum around, you can definitely see you know, some of the fading on. But I, I like Mod Orange. It's probably my favorite out of like Psych Red, Citrus Mod, and Mod Orange. Um, oh, it's kind of... Do you think that new one will look like this in 30 years? I don't, because it's just like... I mean, this, this drum kit is... What, it's 2006? It's almost 20 years old now, and mm. it, you know... I just think that the way that they made these back in the day are different. And I think, I could be wrong, I think that they were getting wrapped from an, an, an Italian distributor mm. before Delmar. And I think that they just 
you know, like this is more of a Jam and Sam style. Like if you order a wrap from Jam and Sam, it'll just be, they take a picture of it, high res, and they put it on a wrap. Like this was actually made. Oh yeah, so that actually has different There's depth. It, I don't, I don't want to call it a pearl, but like if you look at a black, like a black oyster pearl or blue oyster pearl, like you can see the pearl in there. Yep. You know, it's kind of the same thing. I, I, I've actually never really looked into how they made these. If I had to guess, they probably like put some dye or something in like a, some sort of tub or whatever, and then like, I don't know. Leave your, leave, leave the- Yeah, let us know the how these are made. I'm sure <laughs> someone knows. Yeah. yeah, cool. That's a nice kit, and it is for sale. This one is for sale, yeah. And uh, we might have a 22-13-16 that we'll be listing once this one is gone. Mm-hmm. So. Was this a double base kit originally? No. So the guy who bought this got them separately. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, different cereals. Um, yeah, man, just like stuff goes missing. Yeah. You know, but. Very cool. Mod Orange. Dig it. For this week's Warehouse Pick of the Week, I am going to highlight the snare drum that we just demoed in the snare depth comparison. This is the 5.5x14 Bucks County Prime Series Birch. We do have this for sale. If you can see the inside here, it's, it's a straight shell, 8-ply, no re-rings. Beautiful, beautiful drum. It has 8 single-point lugs standard 2.3 triple flange hoops this is one of our house brand really nice throw-offs um, yes yeah, so this is available and it is $5.99 so you can buy that now with free shipping in the continental US um, yeah go over to dronefactordirect.com snag this before it's gone we just have one of these so if you liked what you heard go buy it and I'm gonna drop in another demo this was my favorite tuning from a few episodes ago just to remind you how funky and cool this drum is so go pick it up now 5.99 drumfactordirect.com That is it for this week's episode. Please head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're getting this show. Drop us a five-star rating. Put in some words into review. That does actually help this show pop up in more search feeds and suggested feeds. And if you're only listening to this in audio form, make sure you go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel there. Hit the notifications button. We are posting every episode as well as as each of the different segments and a bunch of other cool stuff over there. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. And we'll see you next week.